Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know I say this often, but in, in, in genuine sincerity do I say this now. I feel like I'm interrupting. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I know that you're here. I know that you're in our midst. Not because I feel you. Not because there's hair standing up on the back of my neck. Not because I have chill bumps. Nothing like that. Strictly and solely because, Lord, you say that you inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, I know that praises of God. We praise your holy name, Jesus. We praise you. Father, there are people in this very room who sincerely with their whole heart praise you, honor you, adore you, and worship you. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Father, we are, thank you for all of the pressure. Father, thank you for all of the tests and the trials. Father, thank you that they are meant for us to draw near to you. Father, clean us and mold us, Lord. Father, I pray that your word would be delivered in spirit and in truth. Father, that it might impart grace to the hearers. Father, that we may be more clean than when we came in. Lord, that we would be more suitable for the work that you've called us to as we go out. Father, bless us and allow us to bless you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm, uh, I'm blessed. I am blessed. And we're still, and we're going to continue in um, Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven, excuse me. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And we touched on that last week. And so we're going to kind of begin there and, uh, and go forward. Um, t- today, there'll be the, the, I hope to cover at least three. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons or children of God. I'm going to um, skip over... Um, Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, and, and maybe do that last, and, and you'll see, hopefully the Holy Spirit will bring to you what He has brought to me, and um, it will bless you as it's blessed me. So first of all, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mercy, forgiveness, pity, sympathy, kindness, compassion. And now this is not the kind of, this is not the kind of compassion which just uh, speaks to, well, we feel sorry for somebody. or you know, Compassion really speaks genuinely to an action. Jesus was moved with compassion. The compassion compelled him to do something about it. It's not just a feeling of sympathy or empathy. It's not just a feeling. It it just moves you. It it generates something in you. Are you with me? It's more than just, I I feel bad for someone. Man, there's, there's something moving me on the inside. Are you with me? Okay, so I, I just don't want to... It's not, God, help me, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just don't want to... For us to, to just to simply uh, 
Uh, well, because I have this feeling of empathy or sympathy for somebody to think that, that that's it. That's, no, it's not it. It's, that's inside of you and God allows you to experience that so that you can be moved by it. Moved how? Moved to do something. Moved to do something. Do what? Well, maybe it's only to pray for that person with sincerity of heart, really feeling so... I, and I don't know why I'm here, but Lord, help me. Feeling so compelled that you can't do it, you can't shake it, you can't do anything else about it. You're so moved that you just drop to your knees or you get on your face and you're interceding for that person or those people or whoever it might be. Are you with me? Man, this is, this is mercy. This is, this is mercy. And you know how I understand mercy just a little bit greater? Because of God's mercy. God's mercy. You, in Ephesians 2, you... He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin who, were once, who once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom you also all once conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. My brothers and sisters, one of the hardest things that we do as Christians, let me say this, one of the hardest things that I have to do as a minister of God is convince people that they stink. No, no, no. I know that sounds funny. And, and, it, and it is a little bit funny. But my brothers and sisters, most of us, most human beings walk around comparing themselves to other human beings and they say, I'm not that bad. Young people, the same thing. We can't fool ourselves and think because we're not getting in trouble at school or because you know, we're the, you know, our siblings, we don't get in trouble as much as our sibling that we're okay. No, it, it doesn't work that way. All of us are dead in sins and trespasses. You're born dead in your sins and trespasses. And, and we're born in need of a Savior. Are, are we not? And, and my brothers and sisters, sometimes it's really difficult for, for me and maybe for some of you to communicate that without insulting people and just turning them off immediately. Now, come on. I'm out, come on now. You know what I'm talking about. It's hard to do that. It's hard to... And, and, and so... You know, do I really need to? Well, here's the problem. We really do need to uh, in this world. You know why we need to? Because, the, here we go again, the church has stopped being salt and light. Because now, listen, instead of comparing themselves to uh, someone who is chaste, someone who looks like Jesus, well, compared to some of those people who go to church, I don't look that bad. Ooh. You, you, you see what I'm saying? That's why we are compelled to be salt and light. That's why we're compelled to walk this life like Jesus. So that, listen, there's this picture ever before. Are you with me? Okay. So I'm not trying to, listen, I'm not trying to just, you know, blow the whole thing up right now. No. That, that's, that's one of the, the, the things that makes it so much tougher for us. Are you with me? Okay, now look at Ephesians 2, going further, uh, in, in beginning in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... You see that? See, we all stink on ice. But God, He's rich in mercy. We all stink. And this is how I get a greater, a greater picture of understanding of, of what mercy truly is. Why? Because we all stink on ice. We all are offensive to God. The way we live our life without Christ, we're all offensive to God. But God, because He's rich in mercy, He doesn't squash us like a bug. God Himself took a body and paid the price 
for our own sin. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us. Kindness is synonymous, loving kindness is synonymous with mercy. He might show us His great show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So see, that's how I get this true picture of what mercy looks like. I get, see, there's, there's, see, God didn't just say, oh, I feel so sorry for those people. Or I, I have, uh, you know, man, I pity those people. They're, they're, they're going to have to suffer consequence. No, what God said was mercy, love, loving kindness. I'm going to go ahead and do something about that. Well, y'all, I'm telling you. Paul tried to express that. Listen, Paul in 1 Timothy says in verse 15, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of who I am the chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in, in me first... Can we turn me down a little bit? I'm ringing a little bit up here. That in me first Christ Jesus might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him from everlasting life. See, now what Paul's saying, look, look at the example. Look at the example of mercy that God has shown you in my life. I was chief of the sinners. Right? But look at, the, look at, what, look at what God has done for me. Look at the relationship that I'm in with God. Look at how, are you with me? See, so now look, again, again, how about us? Is that where I am? Is that where you are? Are we the example that, man, yeah, I stunk on ice. But God is so merciful to me. God has blessed me, so now I can't do anything but be compelled by His life in me and show the same mercy to others. Come on. Even those who disdain me, even those who don't like me, even those who don't want any part of me. So now... He's compelling me to be merciful. In Colossians 3, here's what it says. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. He's telling us we need to be merciful. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. See, my brothers and sisters, what does this look like? As it re- I know what God's mercy looks like toward me. While I was yet a sinner, He died for me, right? I know what His mercy... So now, what does my mercy, what does me being merciful, what does that look like? Well, in the same way that God forgave me and God overlooks my shortcomings, I have to do that for you. Oh boy, you said amen. Remember that. And see, that's not... I I can't show partiality in that. See, I, I, I I can't show partiality in that. That's, it's, good, it's good enough for everybody in my atmosphere. Come on. Not just to those who I choose, not to those who I want to. I want to have a relationship with this person, so I'm going to make sure that I forgive them. I'm going to look at them a little bit more. Now, let me, let me say something to you. In your life, have you ever found it easier to be forgiving of people, even if they didn't ask for forgiveness, than others in your life? See, that's where... That's where our relationship with God, we're so dependent on God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life because we're not able or capable in and of ourselves to do those things all the time. That's why God empowers us. That's grace. God empowers us to do those things if we will only keep Him first. Amen? 
Okay, remember you said that because we're going to get a little close. And I want to read to you. Hang tight. I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm trying to do this quick. Luke six, beginning in verse twenty-seven. Here, here's why I pick in Luke six. This is the same Sermon on the Mount. This is the same sermon that Jesus is preaching in Matthew five. Remember the Synoptic Gospels, right? There's three that are, are alike. This is one of them. And so what Jesus does, he, he goes through these Beatitudes, but then he also gives the explanation. He starts telling what these things, what the attitudes look like. Are you with me? Now, I'll tell you, Jesus up on that mountain, I think it was like three chapters, chapter 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew. And all of that stuff that, that you would read in there, he was preaching. I don't think anybody was looking at the clock or looking at the sundial or looking at the sky. Hey, he's getting a little long-winded. Lock the door. In Luke 6, beginning in verse 27, it says, this is Jesus speaking, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. All of that is very tough. It's tough to live out that way. This is Jesus saying, this is what you do. He's speaking to His disciples. When He speaks this to you and me, when He speaks this to His disciples, he, if you feel like, or try your best, See, I'm not trying to to come down on anybody. I'm not trying to rain on your parade. I'm just telling you what a disciple looks like. I'm just telling you what our Lord, our Master, our King, Jesus is our King, right? King of kings, Lord of lords. Is He the Lord of your life or is He not? If He's the Lord of your life, when He says these things, we should take them very seriously. I I, want to take them very seriously. Okay, so what He's saying is, look, do, do likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. See, what would be the difference between you and anybody else walking on planet Earth who has not been redeemed? What would that difference be? See, if you're salt and light, you look different. Don't compare yourself to them. Okay. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But now look at this. Love your enemies. See, this is Jesus talking to us, his disciples. Verse 35. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons or children of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. He is kind to the thankful and evil. Did you see that? Unthankful, excuse me. Thank you. And evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. You see this now? Jesus just showed us what being merciful looks like. He, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And he just told us what that looks like. Okay? Preach it, Jesus. Come on. Come on. If you were there, would you have said that? Yeah, man. Come on, bro. Preach it. I know you would because you ain't saying it here. It's, hey, it's the Holy Spirit speaking. If you believe that, and if you don't believe it, you should be in another church. My brothers and sisters, this is Jesus speaking very plainly to all of us, to all of His disciples. 
Right? So now look, if you take it seriously, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Go out there, ask Him by His Holy Spirit to help you do this, help, to help you live this out, and He will. If you don't take it seriously, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. See, why does it get quiet? You, are you, I'm not mad at you. No, no, no. I'm not mad at you, but, but, but we have to, listen, we have to be, all be spiritually, at least get to that maturity level. What are you talking about, Tony? Listen, you can't, you can't come to church or read or, or just read some scripture you know, and then go out of here and just live your life any old way you want to and then say, man, it doesn't work. Well, it's not working because you're not living it. You have to go ahead, understand what the Word says, and then go do it. If you don't do it, then you might as well not waste your time. Go to the beach. Some of them are open. Come on now. I'm not trying. Listen, I'm not upset. I'm not mad at you, and I'm not trying to run you off. I want more. I want you to bring people in. But here's how people come in. You know how people will come in? They'll see how you're living your life out there. They're going to compare your life to somebody else's life. They're going to compare your life to everybody else in the atmosphere. There's something different about that person. Something different about that person. Hallelujah. They, they're being done wrong and they're not cursing or swearing and they're not doing wrong back. They're being done wrong by somebody and they seem to be able to handle it. But you notice what it says back there. Don, would you put that back up in, um, in verse 35? It says, um, do good to your enemy's land, hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great. What's your reward? Blessed are those who have mercy, right? God. And you will re- be sons of your children. See, now that brings me to this next the scripture, this next one that we remember, we're skipping over verse 8. We're going right to verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons or children of God. See, so there's a certain degree of, there's, there's a lot of overlap in all of this. There's a lot of overlap in all of this. And so here's part of the overlap. In order for me to be a peacemaker, I'm going to have to show mercy. Why? Because if someone, again, is doing me wrong, I can't expect to be paid back and automatically there's going to be peace. I can't have these certain expectations of, of me being... Um, oh, what's the word? Re- um, I can't expect reparations and think that's, that's the basis upon which we will have peace. Because what happens if the reparation doesn't meet what I, in my mind or in my heart, demand? No, and, and really, here's the other thing. That's what people expect. That's not what God has said should be how we walk. God, God has said, don't expect reparations. Don't expect anything in return. Be merciful, just as I've been merciful to you. Uh, come on now. So in order for there to be genuine peace, peace in my house, peace in my place of work, peace in our culture, in our society, peace between the races. Genuine peace. Not the phony stuff. I'm talking about genuine peace. In order for there to be sincere and solid, genuine peace, there has to be mercy. There has to be forgiveness. Well, they didn't ask. I didn't read that anywhere. In this... this, passage that we just read. I didn't read that. Hallelujah. See, because it's coming from in here. So now also, remember in, in Luke 6, I say to you who, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. See, it doesn't say, love them, love your enemies, right? When they come to you and ask to be your friend, when they come to you and make peace with you, it doesn't say that. No, it, it, I, 
Love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. It doesn't say there's no condition. Just do good to those who hate you. It doesn't say do good when they come to you and ask for forgiveness. It doesn't say that. See, what I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that this is easy. Did anybody hear me say that? that was, it's not easy. In fact, for, for most human beings on planet Earth or elsewhere, <laughs> it's, it's, it's impossible. That's why we need God the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's why we receive God the Holy Spirit and then He empowers. That's grace. Grace is His ability inside of us. Hallelujah. He gives us the strength to do that. But man, I, I know that Tony, and I've heard you say that so many times, but I've tried, but it does, it's not working in my life. Okay, it's not working in your life. We're going to come back to that, but just let me say this so that when we come back later, you'll... Listen, it's not working or you're not working. What's the gospel of grace? There's no works. Mm. No. Grace by faith. Right? And faith without works is dead. That means it, it, it's not work, It's not going to work. Right? You have to act faith in it, it, just the way God lays it all out for us. If we have faith, then we're going to act upon what He says. That's what proves that we do have faith. I'm not going to go there. That's a whole other branch to this tree. So now in Colossians, listen to me what it says here in Colossians in the first chapter beginning of verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, Him Jesus, and by Him Jesus to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Did you hear that? Blessed are peacemakers. Verse 21, And you once were all alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now... He has reconciled in his, the body of His flesh through death. See, what? We were, we were at enemies with God, right? Maybe not consciously, but, con- but we were at enmity, just as you know, being born and not following. So now it says that we've been reconciled. We're back in relationship. We're back in that, are you with me? Okay, through Jesus Christ, through the cross. Sure. Colossians 1, beginning in 19... And up to the first part of 22. So now, listen, watch. So Jesus showed us the way of peace. How did He do that? Well, remember. He's preaching, obviously. He lived it. And then He showed us mercy and created peace by getting on a cross, paying the price for our sin, and reconciling all of us, making peace with God. Uh, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government should be upon his shoulders. And his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, right? Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He brought peace. Well, why is there wars? Peace between us and God. The wars are fought. Read James. Why Why is there war and contention among you? Because you're all fighting for your own thing. Right? I'll just That's a pretty quick paraphrase, but you know what I mean. It says also to us in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 5, but it's not up there. It says that, listen, we've been reconciled and He's given us this ministry of reconciliation. So, so watch. The pr- I, I am bought and paid for by the Prince of Peace. 
I'm reconciled back to God. I'm living in this, uh, this relationship now with God. Right? Come on now. All right? And He's told me that I, uh, He showed me His, his mercy. He showed me all that, and now I have Him living inside of me. I have the Prince of Peace living inside of me. So now, I, it's, it's incumbent upon me. It should be part of who I am right now to bring reconciliation between God and man. That, that's what I'm called to do. In fact, uh, it says that we're, uh, we're ambassadors. That we're His representatives. And we're showing that to the world, aren't we? I mentioned James, but let me go here in James. James chapter 3. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I'm telling you so that you can have confidence. This is not Tony. This is the word of God. James 3, 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. If that's you, then listen. Don't, don't try to be something that you're not. Don't, don't try to, to fake it. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. See, listen, if you're the kind of person who is self-seeking, right? You hold grudges and alts against people, you're, it's you first and all that other stuff, that's not wisdom from God. This is what he's saying. That's not godly wisdom. That's, you're, you're, not, you're really not walking in the wisdom of God. That's, that's, the, that's the worldly wisdom. That's demonic. Think about that for a minute. When I have these selfish thoughts, when it's all about me, I'm lining myself with the enemy of my soul, not with the one who died for my soul. Are you with me? So, so look, it's, it's true for all of us. It's true for that kind, that's, not, that's earthly wisdom. The scripture just points that out to me. I need to stay away from that, don't I? Verse 16, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Think about that. When I'm thinking about myself, promoting myself, doing this for myself, getting this, being there, ha- uh, you know, uh, I want to be in this place where I could feel good. I want to be in that place because it brings me this short-term happiness. I want this, I want that, I want to... This is what this is saying. Confusion and every evil thing are there. Did you, did you hear that? Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above, godly wisdom, is first pure, then peaceable. Did you see that? Then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Willing to yield. Do you know what that means? I'm not going to look after my own self-interest here. I'm just going to... You know what? You ever get into... Um, you ever get into a discussion with somebody, you know you're right. That's about everybody in this room. Every husband just said yes and amen and all the wives said, oh, yeah. You know you're right. But instead of sitting there and arguing the point, sometimes it's just saying, okay, forget it. I'm going to pray for him. I've had that several times in my life. And there have been some times, I'll I'll admit to you, where I want to duke it out. I'm going to fight it out. I'm right. There's no no question about this. I'm so glad Michelle's in the other room. But there are other times where I just went ahead, and I've, I've even had a brother in the Lord one time come to me after the fact. And he said, you know what? He said, we were having this discussion. He said, you said this, and then you just, you, you got quiet. You didn't say anything. He says, you knew you were right. I did. And there are so many times where I had to go back and say to people, you were right. 
You know, you, you, you didn't sit there and argue and try to make your case. You did initially just said, this is it, this is why. But there are so many times where you were right. And when I do that to Michelle, she says, what'd you say? I said, you were right. What'd you say? You were right. What'd you say? You were right. <laughs> now, do, do you understand? Sometimes we just got to be, let's not fight the fight. Let's keep peace. Let's not, listen, here's the other thing. Let's not always have to have our way. That's what that means. Let's not always have to have our way. It's sometimes, I, I don't like marriage counseling per se, because, it, you know, a lot of times, not all the time, but some, a lot of times people expect that uh, Michelle and I are going to be able to give them all the answers and they're just going to have a great, and, you know, this is going to solve all of the problems. A lot of the time it's uh, one trying to get us to convince the other that they're wrong and vice versa. But, 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 here's, but, but you know, the problem is, I've had situations where I say, man, Someone in here has to be willing to say, okay, let's just forget that. Let's just move on. Someone has to be willing to say, all right, that's not... And so I've taken men aside sometimes and I've said to them, let me ask you something. Is this really the hill you want to die on? (laughs) Is Is this really worth that much to you? Where you just, because, you know, I'm on the outside looking in. Let me give you a little perspective. And, and, and as someone who's not married as long as I am, I'll say, well, you know, when I was younger, I used to try and die on every hill or fight the battle on every hill. And I learned real, well, relatively quick, depending on whose perspective, <laughs> you know, that no, not every hill is, not every battle is worth fighting. Sometimes you just, come on, I'm speaking to somebody, maybe not in this room, but maybe over the internet. You know what? Sometimes you just don't fight the battle. It's not worth it. That's, that's, how you be, that's how you keep peace. Come on. You don't have to win every battle. You don't have to be right all the time. So now let's go. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy. You see how these interact? The peace and the mercy. If you're, man, you have, to, you have to be merciful in order to have peace. You have to be able to forgive. Are you with me? And sometimes you just got to shut up. That's a theological term. It means, please close your mouth. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. Without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Did you see that? Okay, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. So that means when I sow a seed, eventually there will be fruit. There's going to be a return on that fruit. Come on, on that sowing, right? So you see what it's saying? So as I'm sowing peace, I'm going to reap the fruit of righteousness. That's, that's awesome stuff. So sometimes, listen, uh, instead of, there are people who love to stir things up. There are, don't, the Bible tells us very specifically not to be tailbearers. Not to go from one. Listen, why? It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't keep peace by me. Well, listen, here's the, I want to give you a good hint right now. When someone says to you, hey, listen, um, I shouldn't say this, but then it's right there. Okay, then stop. Then stop. Don't say it. Or, hey, you know, so-and-so told me not to say anything about this, but don't say anything. If you have to prefix, uh, prefix that uh, with what you're about to say, with that, then, then don't say it. But see, what happens is we start talking 
this stuff. And that's not doing anything but stirring up discord. Or that's not doing... Sometimes we'll tell people our side of the story because we're trying to get people to align with us. And we may not think we're trying to get them against somebody else. We just want somebody on our side. We just want somebody to tell us, you're right. Or, you, yeah, you're justified in either being mad at... Am I helping somebody here? Because I'm helping myself. Am I helping somebody here? See, sometimes we're saying some things to be heard so that we can go ahead and get people to help us to be justified in our feelings where we are by either not forgiving or having a bad feeling towards somebody. Or we're in the middle of a disagreement with somebody and we just want to be assured that we're right or we're okay or whatever the case may be. Don't do that. That's not sowing peace. That's stirring up not, not, not peace, not love, not the good works. That's doing the opposite. Are you with me? some of us need to do better at that. (laughs) We should be, in in Hebrews 10, it tells us that we should be stirring each other up in love and good works. How can we be doing that when we're saying a little bit here, saying a little bit there? That's That's not what God is commanding us. Then in 1 Peter 3, 8, it says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. That's the same thing as merciful. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. What is the blessing you inherit? See, mercy, you're called a child of God. Right? Come on. Peace. Come on. Anyway, mercy, mercy and sowing peace. You, you, man, you receive this blessing. You're, he's telling us here, inherit a blessing. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. These are simple things that we, these are the attitudes that we should carry. This is part of, of all of this. This is part of being His disciple. This is part of, listen, sowing peace and being merciful. Be cur- just be courteous. Just be nice. How many, man, we don't have hardly any kids left in here. They used to be here back in the old days. They're all home with their own kids right now. I hope some of them are listening. Because I used to just tell them, Tori, you, something, you know, we, we had all these kids all the time. And we were loaded with kids. You say, be nice. You know, eh, no, just be nice. Sometimes that's all, that's all it takes. Just be nice. Well, what, not just be nice. I can't control them. I can control me with the help of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I need the Holy Spirit to really take control. But I'm telling you that that's what just be nice. Are you with me? Now, now look, remember what I told you. Stay with me a little while longer. Remember what I told you. We're in these Beatitudes and Jesus goes on and He explains and I shared with you out of Luke. Now I'm going to go back into Matthew and read a little bit. Hang with me. This is Jesus explaining what these Beatitudes look like. Okay? So beginning in verse 21 of Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. You hear that? That's not peaceful. That's not having peace. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, you know what that means? You idiot, you you empty-headed, you fool. Whoever says that, that shall be in danger of counsel. That's, that's back then especially, that was really a bad thing. That was just a, uh, just really a bad thing to accuse somebody of being empty-headed or, or being an idiot or being a fool. 
Whoever says you, you fool, you be, you'll be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Do you hear that? Your brother has an alt with you. Your brother has something against you. Well, look what it says. Agree with you. It, it, leave your gift there by the altar and go quickly your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and give your offering. Right? Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Do not count on anybody for justice. Your perception of justice might be one thing, but do not count on anybody for justice. Don't have an ought. Don't have... Man, agree with your... I told you some of you this before, but I'm going to repeat it because some of you are new and there may be somebody who's listening over the internet. A while back, Michelle and I had a house built. And when we had the house we're living in now, as a matter of fact, when we had it built, after a few years, something started happening. The plumbing was backing up real bad. And it, man, it just, it was, it was terrible. It was a nightmare. So we had the pipes that, um, you know, TP'd, not TP'd, um, what do you call that? Uh, they, where they come in? Oh, camera. We had, the, them, we had the, them camera. And they would come in and they put a camera in the pipe and they follow the pipe and they could tell you, you know, uh, if there's sags, if the pipe is broke. Or, but they found a couple of sags in the pipe. So the water that goes out of the house, the wastewater, is gravity fed. So wherever there are sags in pipes, obviously the water's not moving. It's being held up there. So we had a few of those. So... You know, I, I made an insurance claim and I had part of it fixed. And it did okay, but it didn't really do the whole thing. And so the guy that built the house, <clears throat> he was the one that had the camera come in and, and take a look at the pipes. Anyway, long story short, um, it was terrible. And so I could have took him to court. And I had, I had a lawyer and, um, you know, I, had a, I worked for a guy at that time who was a builder and who, you know, really, he told me, look, He's, and this guy was pretty generous. He wasn't even a Christian. He said, I'll, I'll pay for everything to get fixed in your house. He said, but then you know, we'll take this guy to court, and that's called latent defect, and you know, you'll, you'll win. And then our lawyer said, you'll, you'll win. It's no, no big deal. But we're going back and forth with this guy. And to be honest with you, it was, it was getting in my spirit. It was, it, was so, it was making me so angry. It was frustrating me. And so I knew, if, okay, we go to court, but this is going to drag on. And I said to Michelle, listen... I, I have no, I, I don't need this strife in my life. I, I don't need it. I'm, let's just fix what we got to fix, get it done, get it over with, all right? So we actually paid to get that thing fixed and all. But it still wasn't fixed completely. Then later on, we had to do a little more work. We're doing a little bit more work here and there. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a problem like it used to be. But I, I, I just said, forget it. I'm not going to fight this. I'm not going to court. And so I told the guy. At first, my, my attitude was, Get a lawyer, and you better get a good one. And I, I basically told that guy, <laughs> you know, get a lawyer, you better get a good one, because you know, you're going to fix this. But then, like I said, then we were going back and forth a little bit, and I just I had no time for that strife in my life. There, there was too many other things going on, ministry and all this other stuff. So I, said, I, I can't do it, I'm not going to do this. So I forgave him. Now, man, we see each other, we hug shake hands, talk like, you know, like we did when he was building the house. I, f- I have no ill will toward this man. But you know what I do have? 
No, it, it, it's no stress on my life anymore. It doesn't rob time. It doesn't change attitude. And if we have a plumbing problem now and again in the house right now, it don't matter. We'll, you know, just fix it and go on. Are you, are you with me? But see, my brothers and sisters, here, here's the problem. So many times in our lives, we, we, and, and believe me, I'm not saying this because, hey, I, look what I've done. I've conquered this. No, there are so many other things in my life that I'm still working on. And sometimes in regard to that same area. So, so, so please, by, I'm not trying to tell you, man, I, look at me and I've got this nailed. I'm still working on it. But I want to tell you though, with that experience that I had, I'm hoping, uh, man, if we hang on to those things, it steals the joy and the blessing of God out of us. See, we're, we're called to be peacemakers. We're called to be at peace. We're called to have mercy and be merciful. So if I can do that, Right? Something happens to me on the inside. No stress. Come on. A little bit more joy. And more time to enjoy some of the, some of the better things in life. More time to enjoy my life with Jesus instead of just always fretting and always wearing, planning what the next move is going to be. Come on. Some of you do that. Alright, so now, um, we're going to go back and uh, I'm going back to Matthew, but I'm going to go back in verse uh, 43 in chapter 5 because I love this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Listen, look at this. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. Remember now, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So Jesus is saying what this looks like, what being a peacemaker looks like. See, that's not Tony speaking. That's Jesus speaking. He just said it. Love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. That's how you make peace. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Man, my brothers and sisters, look. Can, we would be good to do that in church, in our own families. In, in, our, in our own families. And in church, if we could do that amongst ourselves, amongst our, each other, come on. So, any of you have oh, that? You know that that one family, or that one portion of your family that they don't like you. Come on, amen. So, what do we do? Heck with them. No. You know what? We Michelle and I have. People in our family, we invite them. They won't come, but we invite them. Every year, we'll still invite them. But my brothers and sisters, that doesn't make... See, I'm just doing what Jesus has is, is, is placed in me, placed on me. I, I want to live according to His Word. I want to do what He's asking me to do. Sometimes it's easy, but sometimes it's very hard. And I need Him to do it in me, through me. Amen? By His Spirit. So I'm no different than you. But that's how I am called His Son. Not by saying it, but by doing it. Colossians 3, 15 and 16. Let the, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which you also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. How do I, how do, I do this? There's one way how we do it. How do you have peace in your heart? You know what? We're going to come together. We're going to sing together. I'm going to be thankful. Even, even in the middle of the bad things, I'm going to look at some of the good things and be thankful. 
and have some, and it's going to give me some peace in my heart. You know what? Yeah, there were some bad things that happened. Yeah, I could have, I, I could have had uh, restitution. You know what? I, I should have had you know some kind of, of uh, some kind of payback. I, you know, come on, you, you hear what I'm saying? There, there should have been somebody that said, "Hey, I'm sorry. I'll, let me fix this." Didn't happen. But guess what? God, God, the God who loves me, the God who He's going to provide for me. He's going to, come on, man, why are you, come on, come on, don't, are you bored? This is good stuff. See, this is the stuff that we need to live by. This is how we're successful. This is how we're blessed. This is what makes us the children of God. This is what causes us to be salt and light in this extremely dead and dark place that we're living in. Come on. That brings us back to the beatitude we skipped. Right? Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So that word pure comes from a Greek word that means clean. And now we know, like in the Old Testament, there, there was a lot of talk about clean and unclean, right? You know, they, they, they ceremonially washed things just so that they would, the, the, the Jewish people would get the idea. It was symbol. It was mostly symbolic, right? Because even Jesus said, you know, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You know, clean and pretty on the outside, Right? So God was showing in the Old Testament and, and made all of these things so that you know, you know, you're dirty, you need to get clean. And so now we see this, where he's saying, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed, blessed are the clean, you're clean in heart, your thoughts, your mind, who you are. Psalm 24, 3-5, this is what it says. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted, see, what does that look like? He has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's the blessing from the Lord? I shall see him. I'm going to see him. Blessed are the pure heart, for they shall see God. Psalm 17, 14. As for me, I will see your, your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake in your likeness. This is the, the psalmist. This is David saying, listen, when I, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to see you. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to see you. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians uh, 4 and 6, it says, For it is God, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So look, we get to see Him now. How? In Jesus Christ. When we, listen, well, we don't see Jesus physically. No, through the Word. We could see Jesus. Listen, let me ask you all something. Now, forget the movies. You know, there are some good movies made, right? The Passion of the Christ. There were some good movies made. And we get this perception of what it must have been like when Jesus was walking and actually saying these words and doing these signs, wonders, and miracles. But when you read, when I, I don't know about you, but when I read, I'm picturing that. I'm picturing Jesus sitting down when I, when I read that where he sat down and his closest disciples came to him and then he started ministering what we're talking about right now, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. I'm, I'm picturing that. I'm picturing Jesus sitting there and just letting it rip. And I'm picturing some of those guys sitting there and, and maybe some of them say, like me, maybe, man, that's, I hope he explains that. No, 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 I'm serious, right? I, I, hope he, I hope he expounds on that. You know, that sounds good, but how do you do that, Jesus? Right? I'm, I'm picturing that. How about you? 
So when, when we're reading this Word and we're allowing this Word to read us, but we're, we're really getting a picture of our Lord and Savior, not the one that, that, that the movies show us, although sometimes they're good. I'm not saying, oh, you shouldn't watch those. No, what I'm, or there's no value in that. And, and there have been many, many um, narratives and, and people that have done some things to try and explain Scriptures, which I think are very valuable. Very valuable. But it's this Word, you see, that when I'm reading it and I'm... And I'm and I'm really looking for Jesus. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open unto you. Jesus wants us to see Him. So in His Word, I'm seeing Him. First John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know when, we, when He is revealed, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. See, we know Him now in, in part. But later, we're going to see Him face to face. We're going to be like Him and we're going to see Him as He is. And whatever we think... Can I, can I, what do you think it will be like when you die and you, and you see him? What do you think it will be like? You ever, you ever wonder about that? I got to believe that whatever we think is going to be greater. And, and, I only, and I only do that based on, first of all, my mind is infinite. Now, some of you are better thinkers than I am, and some of you may be a lot smarter and maybe have a little bit more spiritual aptitude than I do. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, I just think that whatever it is, it's just going to be bigger. But I do know, I have a hint of that because you've heard me say this and some of you even know yourself. The Apostle John who walked with him for three and a half years, when he saw him in the Revelation, he fell down as dead. He saw Jesus and he fell down as dead. So the glorified Jesus doesn't look like the Jesus that walked on the earth. He looks different now. And whatever it was, it it took all the breath out of John's body. So whatever, it's going to be magnificent. And see, some people say, well, when I get up there, I'm going to ask Jesus this, or I'm going to ask God why that, or blah, blah. Mm. Uh-uh. You know what? I got a feeling that I'm going to fall down on my face and say, thank you for letting me in. See, now let me ask you something. I'm going to, I got to push on this. Boy, I'll tell you what. God, the Holy Spirit is so good. Let me ask you something. What do you think it will be like? And let me ask you something. If the trumpet sounds right now, will you go? Will you go? Yeah. Really? No, no, no. I'm not trying. Listen, I'm not trying to convict anybody or condemn anybody. Really? Just make sure that you're studying this word. Make sure you know what this word says. And don't live according to what Tony says. Don't live according to what you see, Tony. Live according to what you see in Jesus. Because that's the way that you get raptured. Not, don't, listen, don't believe what the greatest, biggest church says, the, your favorite, your second favorite preacher, because I know I'm number one. But whatever here, second, <laughs> whatever, don't, don't, don't just take that and say, well, I'm good. Or I'm living like that big church. All of those people do this and all those people look like that. Don't take that. Amen. What does the Word say? What, what has God convinced you of? See, remember, remember where I was a little while ago. It's really difficult for me or any of us to convince somebody that they are a sinner and they are in need of a Savior. You, just by virtue of being born, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. So then if someone doesn't have that, they don't have that realization, then, then how do I ever convince them to go to Jesus? Right? So now if I look like everybody else, I'm not going to be able, I'm not, it's just not going to happen. Someone has to see something in me, in you. Someone has to see. Someone has to see what? Someone has to see that in the depths 
of their misery, in the depths of their bad situation, someone like you is willing to come up alongside of them, put your arm around them and say, I love you. Why? That's what Jesus did to me. That's what He did for you if you're born again. I don't know why we went there, but blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Ecclesiastes says this. He, what is pure in heart? Ecclesiastes made, in, in 3.11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has put eternity in our hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God has done from beginning to end. God has put eternity in our hearts. We don't know it. You know, we can't see the beginning to the end, but He has put it in our hearts. There's something in us. Are, are you with me? Okay, so now watch. Um, am I more... There was a great, there's a great book, and I loaned, it, I loaned it out pretty frequently. I read it a long time ago. It's by John Bevere. It's called Driven by Eternity. Anybody ever read that book in here besides me? Really good book. Great perspective. Driven by Eternity. So the premise is that I'm, as I'm living this life, I'm living it with, a, with an eternal perspective. So God has put eternity in my heart. So now, because of Jesus, I have the light. I have this knowledge of the truth, and I have this, this, this knowledge. Now I can perceive more of what God has in store and what eternity is all about. The supernatural, I can perceive that. Come on, don't, don't sleep on me. Listen. So now, so now, am I driven by that? Am I living my life according to that? Or am I still living my life according to the here and now? Am I still living my life because this pleases me, this makes me feel good. I like to do this, I like to do that. It may, see, we, because, see, driven by eternity means sometimes we do things that don't make us feel good right now. But we know that it has eternal value. Right? What, what, what do you mean, Tony? Well, like, loving your enemies. <laughs> Does that make sense in this life? Does it make sense? No. Here on earth? No, it doesn't make sense. Does it make sense to pray for those who use and abuse you? Does it make sense? Does it make sense? You've been, see, some women have experienced really bad things in their lives. And some young men as well have experienced really bad abuse in their lives. Does it make sense for that person to pray for those who abused them? In the natural? No. In the eternal? Yes. Why? Because in the eternal, when I pray for them, I release something. I get free. No longer am I enslaved to that. That has no more, listen, that has no more uh, hold on me. I'm not yoked with that anymore. I can live separate from it. No more guilt. No more shame. No longer paralyzed by it. I'm no longer a victim. Why? God has freed me from that. I am more than a conqueror through Him who loved me. Right? So I've got to get rid of all that. How do I do that? Well, Jesus said, have the eternal perspective. Don't have the earthly perspective. Don't look to get even. Don't look for the next opportunity. Don't look for this. Don't look for that. Don't try to promote yourself. Let God promote you. Well, yeah, I've been looked over and I'm just as sad as the other thing. Well, okay. Let God promote you. Don't worry about impressing somebody. You do what's right. Be nice. (laughs) Be nice. You do what's right. God will promote you. See, maybe you're trying to excel in the place that God didn't pick for you. So you are on your own. Why? Because you're trying to do something God didn't pick out for you. And you're thinking, well, God... No, God didn't leave you or forsake you. You went a different way. God God had everything mapped out for you. But you wanted to go your own way. God has an eternal perspective. God has an eternal plan for your life. You're selling short down here. Man, I, I don't know if that was any... In, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I hope somebody received that. In 1 Peter 1, 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth 
through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not with corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. So watch. I'm trying to go fast now. I don't want to keep you here long. Listen. So here's what happens. I got to love, but I can't love. We know that in um, Romans, the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, so I need the Holy Spirit to love like God loves. I can, I can only do that by receiving His Word. My, my heart is purified by receiving His Word. I receive His Word, and my heart is purified. But then look, it says that that's not corruptible seed. The Word is not corruptible seed. It's incorruptible. That Word of God lives and abides forever. See, now I have this eternal perspective. Now I'm living, I'm driven, I'm going after the eternal perspective. Now I'm, I'm not living for the here now. Listen, I want to speak to young people right now. It's not wrong for you to have plans. It's not wrong for you to be thinking about what college, what degree, what this, what. It's, it's, I'm not saying that. Not at all. Just seek God first. Seek God first. And don't go someplace because you think it will be more popular or going to make more money, blah, 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 this and that, the other thing. No. Listen, God will place some passions in you. The only way you're going to know if they're godly passions if you're seeking God. See, you also have some human passions in you that fool you, that take you down the wrong path. Anybody ever? Hey, any of you older people, any of you have experience with that? Come on. So now look, why should I be embarrassed to say that to young people? Young people, I've made some mistakes. I've followed some wrong passions. And it caused some things maybe to be delayed in my life, caused me to suffer some consequences that God really didn't want me to suffer, so He punished me. No, He didn't. God did not punish me. I lived according to what I sowed. I reaped what I sowed. So my brothers and sisters, God is not looking for you to make a mistake so He can pound you one. No, on the other hand, God has done all that He can do so that you would follow Him. So that you could see Him. And He's got an eternity for you. And that's what He wants you to be driven by. Amen? Hallelujah. Starting to get cranked up now. All right, in Acts 15, uh, in Acts 15, just listen. Because now we're talking about a pure heart. You have to be clean. See, even Jesus said that um, he was going to clean us with his word. He showed us the picture of, of the, the bride, right? Remember in Ephesians, he talks about uh, the, the bride, how uh, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, right? He purchased the the, the, he died for his church, but he cleanses his bride with water. The washing of water by the word is what cleanses us. So if we want our hearts clean, and remember our heart isn't just this, this um, organ that pumps the blood. He's talking about who we are. Right? The seat of our emotions, our thoughts, what we are. So he's saying, if you want that clean, read the word. And the word will clean you. Right? Okay, I'm going to skip Acts 15. Hebrews 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That is also what the Apostle speaks to or the Holy Spirit speaks in Ephesians, right? When he talks about the bride and, and the... Right? Okay, so now listen. So you see what I'm saying? But look at that. I want you to notice something in there. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Faith. Where's our faith, right? So now we know that the word is powerful, sharper than two-edged sword, seeking to divide it asunder, Right? We know how powerful the Word of God is, and it's eternal. It does not change. We know this. But it's not working. 
Why is it not working? Because, listen, we're not walking in faith according or by it. You have to walk according to the Word in order for it to work. If you say, I'm going to wait for it to work, and then I'm going to walk in it, and get, you're, you're, you're not going nowhere. You're going to be, okay, I'm just going to wait. Come on, Jesus. It doesn't, that, that's silly. That's, that's not, no, and remember what I've told you about James, what James is saying to us. If you read, man, James is, it's talking about the same thing. You know what James says? James says, um, where do wars start from among you? It's because you want to do your own thing. You all have this lust of the flesh. You're all trying to seek your own thing. You're all trying to do things according to your own lusts, according to your own desires. And that conflicts with somebody else and so on and so forth. So you have, that's where these wars and these things come up. But also in that book, he's talking to us about his word, about the word of God and faith. Right? And what does he say? He says, look, listen, you show me your faith without works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead, as I mentioned earlier, right? So, so, so watch. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me. Is He speaking to you? The Word that I know, the Word that I know, am I walking in it? Am I walking, and, and now that's assuring this faith that I have, and I can be confident that my heart is clean before God. King David said, because he didn't have the Holy Ghost in him all the time. But he, here's what he said. He said, search me, O Lord. Didn't he say that? Make sure there's nothing in my heart. He also said, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, the the word and faith and the heart, it all has to come together, my brothers and sisters. We have to see, we're only going to see God because we have a pure heart and it's lived out in the faith that we have in His word. Come on. Is anybody getting this? I'm, man. Hallelujah. Let us draw near to God with a heart, a pure heart, a true heart, with this assurance of faith. He's put eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes says it. In Romans, in the New Testament, it says it this way, that all of us know that there's a God. All of us know. Because even creation cries to it. But then when we get too fleshly minded, right? Our hearts are not clean. So here's what I want to say to you. Is Jesus God? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? If He's God and He's the Lord, He's your Lord, Believe Him. Just believe Him. Trust Him. And you know how you show Him that you trust Him? Do what He asks you to do. Don't even worry about the don't do's. Just do the do do's. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please.